Welcome back to another episode of the Super Duper Flex Bros. Tonight is Friday night, November 5th. I'm joined with the one and only pro football focuses, Ben Brown. Ben, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. I mean, we're basically, what, halfway through the NFL season. We got college football on uh, the television. We got Canadian Football League. So uh, it's a great time to be a football fan, and I am definitely enjoying the season so far. Yeah, where else would you rather be on a on a Friday night than uh, than than talking fantasy football? I mean, maybe maybe playing some pickleball or something would be like the only other place that I'd ever want to be. But this is as good as it gets, that's for sure. So that's right. We're we're talking off air a little bit about about pickleball, so we're definitely gonna have to uh, meet up and get get some pickling in uh, sometime after uh, football season's done. But uh, tonight we're gonna be talking. Raiders, Jaguars, upcoming rookies, and some other players that I kind of want to get your, your thoughts on if they're actually going to be worth holding on to or adding a dynasty. But before we, we talk about these players, I, I asked you earlier this week, which rookie has surprised you uh, the most this far? And uh, to no, no, no surprise, but uh, Jamar Chase is the receiver that has surprised you the, the most so far. Yeah, I mean, so I think... Um, you know, probably last time we talked was right around the time when, you know, Jamar Chase was having the issues with the drops in the preseason. People were kind of questioning whether uh, the Cincinnati Bengals should have even drafted him over like Panay Sewell. And I think, you know, for as good as he has been to start his, you know, NFL rookie season, maybe some people saw it happening. I do like have, you know, some exposure to him in like various uh, draft settings, basically, but I don't have him in any dynasty leagues. And I think he has vastly exceeded anybody's expectation, right? So even though he's been really good, even though he's really popular uh, right now, I don't think anybody actually expected him to be as good as he has been. And some of it, you know, is a little bit unstable. He has had some fluky long touchdown scores, uh, but I think all the pieces are in place and all the things that have kind of shown to where he's going to be, you know, a really, really successful um, NFL wide receiver for a really long time. And I did not expect to see somebody kind of live up to what Justin Jefferson did in his rookie season. And I think Jamar Chase is basically on pace to do that. So even though it's really going to be popular, I do think he is definitely the rookie that has surprised me the most so far. Yeah. And and like you said, when he had such high expectations and, and they said, remember Justin Jefferson was the the number two there in LSU and Jamar Chase was, was number one. So right. Jamar Chase is going to be better than Justin Jefferson. I mean, that was just so hard to wrap your, your mind around and, when I look at, at most of these dynasty rankings, Jamar Chase is already the wide receiver one. So he's ahead of Justin Jefferson at two, Tyree Kill at three, C.D. Lamb at four, um, Devontae Adams at five, D.K. Metcalf and his former college uh, teammate, A.J. Brown, at six and there seven. So, I mean, you can you can order those guys, make make an argument for for any of them. But um, with Jamar Chase being the youngest, if, if you just want to make that uh, – that argument in, in dynasty that you're going to get that extra year or extra um, four or five years, uh, depending on which of those, those uh, seven receivers you compare them to. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you, you can make a good argument why he wouldn't be the, the wide receiver one. So before the season started, I was saying he's going to be a, a top 10 receiver um, in dynasty by the end of the season. It turns out that was actually a super weak take right. which, uh, <laughs> him, him being partnered with, uh, with Joe Burrow. So, out of out of those receivers or uh, that I listed or any that I didn't, um, is there anybody that you would would rather be building your franchise around if you needed to start out with a receiver? No, I mean I definitely think it's Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson right now, and I do think 
Um, this might, I, maybe it's hot take, maybe it's not. I don't know. Of course, we're both, you know, from Minnesota, follow the Vikings really closely. But I do think uh, Jamar Chase has a much better quarterback situation than what Justin Jefferson's going to have. I do think that should probably play into how you rank both of those guys heading out of the 2021 season. So I do think the Jamar Chase to Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection uh, is going to be much higher, much more successful long-term than anything that Justin Jefferson is going to have thrown to him. So that's why um, I, I don't think it's really even that close right now that Jamar Chase is definitely that dynasty number one, but I would maybe, I would maybe, you know, slightly slot in a few guys and, different order than what you mentioned. I am kind of curious, uh, you know, your thoughts on, you know, like a guy like Devontae Adams who could potentially not only be ending, you know, nearing the end of his productive playing career, but he could be moving on from Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they both join um, a team, a different team next year, but I don't expect them uh, to necessarily be, you know, this duo for the Packers next year that we kind of have planned out this year. So I would maybe put uh, both DK Metcalf and AJ Brown ahead of him. Um, and I do think gravitating more toward the younger receiver setup and how you're kind of um, ranking some of these dynasty wide receivers uh, is definitely my uh, initial takeaway from playing dynasty. And of course you, you know, you've been doing it for a lot longer than I have. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts on uh, the aging veteran wide receiver question versus like, you know, the rookie or up and coming wide receiver yeah. and how you kind of rank those two people. well i i gotta be be honest with you I've, i haven't been doing it that much longer than you this is actually only the third year um that i've that i've been playing dynasty so the first year i, I did it I, I fell in love with it just kind of following the um the trends of players and kind of calling your shots on when you think the, the floor is going to fall out uh but but it you know it, it pains me to say as a vikings fan that if, if you want uh Devontae adams as your, your number one receiver just with the proven production that he's had with Rodgers and um, even the season that the Rodgers got hurt, he was still a wide receiver one. Um, so at, at age 28, he certainly isn't, uh, is, isn't going to be hit on a cliff anytime soon. So I think, I think Devonte Adams is still going to finish around wide receiver five or wide receiver eight um, the, the next three or four years, even if he isn't playing with, with Rodgers. So if, if you can, if you can make that argument to somebody, if, if Devonte Adams and, uh, and Aaron Rodgers get, get separated, and you can you can kind of sell the, the narrative of the, this old receiver um, and and get get him on the cheap. Then I, w- I would definitely make that move. But um, I, I'm with you. I I think I would I would still stick with Jamar Chase, but just with that age difference and um, being reunited with with Joe Burrow, who who's showing his QB one upside this season. Kind of curious uh, to hear your thoughts. Uh, this is like an exercise that I've kind of started to try to do just to get a gauge on how like other people value uh dynasty draft picks and those sorts of things but i'm wondering if you have a player uh at the quarterback position that you would say is kind of like the litmus test for whether he should be traded for you know a top three top two top top one draft pick in the 2022 class or if he's you know lower on down than that and i was trying to uh, basically come up with some players that i thought uh, would be good candidates at each position for as a guy that i think that would probably be traded as like a top three pick and i'm curious to hear uh, your thoughts on that if you have anybody in mind from uh, any position that you have available yeah if you, do you have some uh, some players listed or uh... i do have some i do have some things thought about right and i do think you wanted to talk a little bit about some of these guys but i was thinking at the quarterback position um at least somebody especially for this 2022 class i do think it is kind of interesting because uh probably heading into the you know the, the college season especially uh people liked uh some of the quarterback prospects guys like sam howell 
uh, you know, even like Malik Willis, Matt Corral, uh, and some, you know, I think that although they played well at points, they haven't necessarily answered a lot of the questions that people had heading into the season. So I think maybe overall the 2022 dynasty draft picks of maybe the value of those have maybe taken a little bit of a hit. So I would say guys like, uh, you know, especially at the quarterback position that I would be open to trading for probably like a top three or top six pick would be guys like Tua, uh, Jalen Hurts, maybe even like a Ryan Tannehill. I do think some of the guys uh, that are rookies this year that I would probably still have a, a little bit ahead of them are people like uh, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson to some extent, although I might still be overvaluing him a little bit, but I do think getting you know the extra years on those guys, not necessarily writing them off after eight games or whatever, I do think maybe uh, the whole top five quarterback class from last year is probably better than what this 2022 quarterback class is going to be. So I would probably put guys more like Tua, Jalen, and even Ryan Tannehill um, as the guys that I would probably be willing to trade on either side uh, for one of those like top six picks in dynasty. Do you think that's uh, kind of an accurate assessment of their value, or do you think that's overrating one side or the other? Yeah, I, I, th- I think I would uh, I would agree with uh, with most of those um, most of those players for, for top picks. So um, two two of the guys that you said that I'm I'm very high on Justin Fields and Tua. I think, um, or I shouldn't say I think if if I if I had the 101 in my in my hand right now as a draft pick, even though you never physically actually have that pick in your hand. Right. Let's, let's just say if I, if I had, if I, if I was told your future first or your future first that you have on your team is going to be the one one I would trade that today for Justin Fields and, and Tua. So I'm still very, uh, very high on, on those two prospects. And it's, it's kind of split in hairs, but I would trade the one Oh three for Zach Wilson. Cause I, I really think um, kind of like you and I were talking off air that, he, he's just kind of trying to play hero ball right now, and he's trying to complete those those deep shots that are either turning into um, incompletions or interceptions right now. So I think being on the sidelines watching two backup quarterbacks uh, run this offense the way that it was uh, meant to be uh, ran, I think he's going to have a significant jump in uh, to, in 2022. So right, I definitely right. expect him to, to continue to struggle this year, but he's, he's definitely a quarterback that I'm still about in on. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I, I maybe, and I'm just a little bit lower on Tua than you. I do think Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, I would probably almost automatically trade. You know, the 1.01, even the 1.02 for. Uh, but like the thing with Tua and Jalen Hurts, especially, is uh, the concern that they, maybe they aren't long-term starters, especially with where they're currently at. Right? Like I think you know the Dolphins have still continued to have this Deshaun Watson discussion. Jalen Hurts, you've heard you know rumors, even though he has been a productive fantasy quarterback, you have heard rumors about like Gardner Minshew potentially getting some run toward the end of the season. Maybe they're not sold as he, you know, him being that guy for the next three to five years. So that's the reason why I'd be a little bit more uh, hesitant, but I do think that they kind of make for that perfect litmus test. I wanted to go, I want to ask you about running backs too then, right? Uh, Kind of like a same, same or similar question. Maybe it's not the 1.01, maybe it's like, you know, 1.03 or 1.06. Are there any running backs kind of in that value range that come to mind right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole, uh, whole list of them. I, I'd say there's probably, um, about 15 or so running okay. backs that, that, I, that I give up for the, for the 101 <laughs> or 1.03. And, and the reason behind that is if you are able to buy a, uh, running back that's going into a sophomore or junior year, when some people might be thinking that they're, they're outsmarting the rest of the league, trading away these, these players that have been in the league for three years, cause they, they, they want that. Um, that other 
production of, of the player that hasn't been taking those hits in the league. Um, we saw last year with uh, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. I know they're both hurt, so horrible examples, but even Jonathan Taylor, um, we're, we're splitting carries for the entire season. So you basically had to wait for their 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 first year um, of, of splitting carries where you don't know when you're going to get that five-point game or that 25-point game. And and now um, after they're more comfortable with the, the speed of the offense and the coach trusts them to put the game away in the fourth quarter, now we're actually seeing – them them go off so so absolutely Jonathan Jonathan Taylor McCaffrey uh, Najee Kamara Delvin uh, I, I'm still I, I would still do it for Saquon even though I know um, a lot of people are kind of lower on him right now um, even Swift um, and then then I guess it starts to get a little more questionable with with Aaron Jones Eckler Joe Mixon and uh, and Zeke but um, Javante Williams, it, it, he's kind of in that situation that I was talking about where he's he's splitting carries where him and Melvin Gordon are both almost getting exactly 12 or 13 carries right. a week. So he's, he's been very productive, but he's just not going to get those points this season um, that, that he's, he's, he's probably going to have a, a nice jump in 2022 or 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So he was actually the person who I wrote down as far as like, because I do think some of the guys you listed, right, would probably only be available for multiple like first round draft picks or something like that. Yep. Like you weren't, you wouldn't get them straight up for like the 1.03 in next year's draft. I do think uh, guys that I kind of listed for like, this would be a straight up player for, you know, the 1.03, maybe the 1.04, 1.05, 1.06 or whatever was Javante Williams. Uh, and a lot of it was based on, you know, like you said, he has been splitting carries with Melvin Gordon. I think both of them are basically right at, you know, a 50% rushing share in that offense. Uh, another guy that I thought was kind of interesting in that range, David Montgomery. Obviously, he's been in the league a little bit. Really productive year last year. Was decent, you know, this year before getting injured. Uh, but we have seen Khalil Herbert, uh, you know, be close to as productive as what David Montgomery was. Um, and, you know, he's a rookie, so maybe he's going to be cutting into that share. And I do think that uh, one of the reasons why people like David Montgomery so much was because of the volume projection that he had available, not necessarily really all that efficient. So I thought him and Javante Williams were probably the two guys at the running back position that I thought were like really good examples of players that I would probably take either side of that trade on. I wouldn't necessarily feel like I was uh, winning either side if I traded them for like the 1.03 or 1.06 kind of pick. So, and I do have like JK Dobbins just a little bit lower than that. I think um, I would probably be comfortable taking either side of a trade where he was, you know, gone with like the 1.10 or, you know, the back end of the first round. I do think that is kind of where I'd value them at that point. Do you think that's accurate or do you think that's a little bit uh, overstated on one side or the other? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, any, anybody who's a fan of the show knows, knows how much I love JK. Dallas. Right. So right. He, he's right. definitely a guy that I'm going to be uh, <laughs> overvaluing, but ju- just seeing how much they're, they're trusting Lamar Jackson to pass the ball. And they're, they're giving these running backs what like four or five carries per, per week. And it's just a, a total committee. I, I fully expect Dobbins to come in and, and uh, take over the, the majority of, of those carries. So he's definitely somebody that I expect to be an RB1 immediately in the, the 2022 season. If we talk about Dobbins, naturally we got to talk about Akers. So this is a guy who's been getting a ton of hype on Twitter. There's videos of him uh, progressing nicely through his, his rehab. So uh, we all know the Achilles injuries are horrible for, for running backs. So that we, there's, there's other athletes that have come back, but the running back position especially – is very tough to come back. So is this a guy that, that you're in on, or do you think the the hype um, is getting a little out of control? 
Yeah, I think the hype is probably a little bit out of control. And I probably actually would have said that heading into the season before he even got injured. I was kind of a little bit of a Daryl Henderson truther um, even last year before they drafted Cam Akers. So I always thought uh, this backfield could take on a little bit more of a committee approach than what people anticipated. So so a guy like Cam Akers getting you know, 60, 60 to 7% of the rushing attempts, high high target volume for that running back position. I didn't necessarily see that playing out. And we have seen, uh, you know, Sean McVay and the Rams offense kind of focus and highlight on Dur- Darrell Henderson a lot more than what people even expected once they made that trade for Sonny Michelle. But I still think it's going to be way too crowded for Akers to be uh, a really productive back in this offense in 2022 and beyond. So I'm, I'm probably out. Uh, based on where people are currently valuing uh, Cam Akers at, unfortunately, I do I do buy into J.K. Dobbins just a little bit more. Kind of like you said, uh, the competition for touches just isn't anywhere close to what Cam Akers is going to be experiencing next year. So, so, so uh, not now that we're we're kind of getting deeper into the the, the RB twenty to, to RB thirty um, <laughs> discussion here on, on dynasty running backs. One guy that we saw have, have a great game last week and then kind of cool off this week, but. Um, he's, he's still a good out there uh, with the third string quarterback, but Michael Carter t- taken in the, the fourth round by, by the Jets. Um, he's starting to creep up into RB1 territory in, yeah. in dynasty leagues where, where you're seeing him um, being traded for a first round, uh, a, a future first round pick or um, players that are that are hurt like uh, Travis Etienne or Clyde Edwards Alaire. So are, are you high on, on Michael Carter at all? I am, yeah, and I think um, it's tough to pay those prices that where he's probably currently going right now. Um, I did like him a lot in the offseason. I did like him quite a bit coming out of you know North Carolina. Him and Javante Williams both really productive, at least from like a missed tackles force perspective. So I did expect him to be somewhat successful. I wish I would have seen uh, just how much success he's had. I think he has kind of been uh, you know the one rookie running back that was drafted pretty highly in the NFL draft uh, to actually grab uh, you know the majority share of offensive touches. Uh, as a rookie. So I think uh, that's only going to continue for him. The question is, is like, what is his ceiling with this Jets offense? And I think a lot of that is tied into how productive is Zach Wilson long-term. I personally do buy into Zach Wilson. So I do think that Michael Carter uh, could still have a little bit more room to go on the upside for him. So I do, I do definitely like him as a player, definitely targeting dynasty uh, and next year's redraft as well. Yeah, and and I I I agree. He's I I don't really have a uh, a, a take either way on, on Michael Carter, but some of the arguments that I've seen being made of why he can't be an RB one is that um, in in week seven against the Patriots he had nine targets, and then in week eight um, he had fourteen targets. Um, so it, in those two weeks combined, he had seventeen receptions, and and the argument is that well he's he's just catching the dump off passes because they they were losing so. They're just dumping the ball off to him. These aren't really unique catches, or you know, it's not like a specialized um, catch in, in the in the passing game. But my argument is, it, it's it's the Jets. The Jets are going to be playing from behind um, this year, next year, probably like we were talking about with the Vikings um, in the future. The 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 Jets aren't going anywhere anytime soon, so they're going to be right. checking the ball down in the third and fourth quarter. So if that's right, and they and I mean they won in Week Eight against the Bengals, right? I mean that yeah. was. Uh, kind of a great game. Of course, Mike White came in really low average depth of target, like to target uh, Michael Carter quite a bit. But um, I think that's 
should be close to the expected game script that they're going to see, especially if they do get a little bit better, can challenge teams a little bit more. Uh, the Colts kind of shut him down in week nine, unfortunately. I think he only had like one target last week and was really productive in doing that. But um, I do think like the switching quarterback potential like change in philosophy, not necessarily philosophy, I guess, um, but in like who that quarterback is comfortable targeting, obviously shifted with Josh Johnson. So um, I don't necessarily buy into it only being dump offs and check downs for Michael Carter. I do think that he can be quite productive uh, no matter the game script for the Jets, which I think is probably one of the best reasons for why he should be valued higher than what he has, what he even has so far this year in 2021. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I like it. So right now, um, Cam Akers is being valued as the running back 22 in Dynasty. You and I both probably agree that's a little too high. Travis Etienne, the running back 24, and Michael Carter, the running back 26. So Yeah, that is... Take either of these uh, these hurt running backs over Michael Carter if, if you're rebuilding. Or, or I would with, with, I yeah. would love to have Michael Carter for Travis Etienne right now if I could do it. So um, I'm definitely on the Michael Michael Carter side for sure. Um, I did buy into the Jets more than I even should have in this 2021 season, but I do think at some point. Uh, they're going to be able to maybe not necessarily challenge the Bills in the AFC East, but I do think they're at least going to be relevant, um, you know, as a playoff contender, similar to how the Bengals have performed this year in Joe Burrow's second season. I could see the Jets potentially even making that leap in 22 in 2022 based on how uh, Zach Wilson potentially comes back from this injury. So um, I like the Jets a little bit. I like Michael Carter quite a bit. I would probably have him. Um, as my top rookie running back option here going forward in my projections, I think for sure. So that right. might be a hot. I, I, I like it. I sure. can't. I can't. Uh, I can't argue against it. We haven't seen uh, Etn, and we won't see him again until, or we won't see him make his NFL debut until next I guess, year. So. Yeah, I got to say, besides Najee Harris, right? I mean, Najee Harris, yeah. I completely blinked on him, but he has been. I mean, he's just like an absolute touch monster right now, especially in that Steelers offense. And I do think he is on the verge of being, you know, a top three running back in dynasty if he's not already. Right. So I think that's uh, basically the one rookie running back outside, outside of Najee Harris. I do think Michael Carter is definitely the next, the next best in my opinion, personally. So no, I, uh, the, the dynasty community uh, agrees with you where um, Najee Harris and Alvin Kamara are kind of fighting for that number three and four spot right now. So right. Um, that's yeah. It, Najee is, is living up to those expectations. So um, switching gears here a little bit. If uh, if people go back to our first show, I, I talked about my love for J.K. Dobbins and that he was going to be a, a top ten running back. That uh, did not work out this year. Uh, maybe for twenty twenty two, we might see that. And uh, the the wide receiver you were highest on. Do you remember? That is a good question. Who uh, I, you didn't you didn't write me down for Kenny Galladay? Did you? Was that the the sneaky one or something? Or who was the actual highest? Who was I highest on again? Though? Yeah, I, I, I think you're pretty confident Kenny Galladay is going to finish as a, a top 20 receiver. this Yeah, season. that was a disaster, right? I yeah. mean, well, with with the, with the injuries, it, it's not not really fair to point out that he's wide receiver 75 <laughs> on the season. Um, he is age 28, dealing with yet again another injury. Hasn't caught a touchdown as a giant and hasn't played since week five. Uh, but this this is a, this is a dynasty show. But if you're in, in a redraft league and you have Galladay on your bench and it's a short bench, um, is, is that somebody you should be dropping, or do you think he actually has has life to come back to this offense this year? I mean, 
I think I expected more in some ways from the Giants' offense in general, and it has been a complete disaster. So I do think Kenny Galladay is droppable, um, not only because of the injury situation, not only because he's been super unproductive, but uh, the Giants in general have just been an absolute disaster. Like we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, regime change. Obviously, they gave big money to Kenny Galladay. Uh, what's his role even going to be like next year? I don't know. But that was that was one of my bigger misses, I would say, for sure, uh, this past offseason. I had a few of them, unfortunately. I think everyone does. But, um, yeah, Kenny Galladay, big big free agent contract, did not come through whatsoever in the Giants. And I probably should have seen that coming uh, when basically everybody else has failed for New York as well. So uh, I drop him. I th- I think I'm actually going to go to my redraft league and drop him after we're done with this show because I... <laughs> Out of principle or something. Yeah, you got, so, you're going to hold yourself to that standard. Right. I, I, I can appreciate that. So, so currently, Kenny Galladay is the wide receiver 38 in Dynasty. Uh, we see other receivers next to him. Wide, um, Adam Thielen, wide receiver 37. Um, actually, we need to uh, plug in a, a couple of Vikings players in the show. Got to. And, uh, and LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver 39. Um, and, and if you go down one spot lower, Kadarius Tony is already the wide receiver 40. After ton, tons of people, including myself, it, you want to talk about bad takes. I thought Kadarius Tony was a horrible pick in the first round. I, I did not expect him to have any kind of production. Um, I actually did make a, a bet um, that if, if Kadarius Tony finishes with more fantasy seasons than Rashad Bateman, their rookie year, I, I have to get a, a Kadarius Tony tattoo. So, still kind of holding my breath with that, but I, I do expect uh, Rashad Bateman to, to come back from injury and and uh, get a touchdown this week. Uh, so, oh. right now in Dynasty, would you rather have Kadarius Tony, the younger mystery box player that could that could be great, or or maybe maybe it's just that one game against Dallas, or would you have or would you take Kenny Galladay, age twenty eight? Oh, I'm taking Gadarius Tony every time, I think, and twice on Sundays for sure. And I, I actually think you're going to be getting a Kadarius Tony tattoo after this season. I would like to get <laughs> in on that bet somehow if I can. But um, no, I agree. I think I, I think basically everybody was low on Kadarius Tony this offseason. Um, but he looks like an absolutely dynamic playmaker uh, and something that the Giants actually need long term. Um, so I think, you know, if everything else works out well for him, he could be, he has legitimate, like top 10, top 15 wide receiver upside. Uh, and I cannot say the same thing about Kenny Galladay. Uh, I wish, I think the Vishka Chanel maybe fits into that category as well, but I just don't trust Urban Meyer and he hasn't necessarily taken hold when we thought he would get, you know, an uptick uh, in snaps and volume and routes run uh, after that DJ Chark injury. So uh, I definitely think Kadarius Tony would be by far my favorite option, especially in Dynasty, uh, of, of those four wide receivers for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you on that. And uh, um, I, I watched so much of Florida last season. Just right. to watch every single Kyle Pitts game where that, that, that was one of the, the easiest calls where um, if you want to talk about the, the, the 101 to 103 or 106, like if you, if you took Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, or, or Pitts with, with one, one of your first um, four or six picks, I mean, they, they were all can't miss prospects. And, right. And, uh, and yeah. And that was, that, that's, that's like the outlier year of 2021 for Dynasty, right? Because there might not be a single player like that in this 2022 Dynasty draft, which I think is kind of interesting for then how do you evaluate and, 
value those picks in 2022 and then on through to 2023 when it looks like we might have some more of those at least a couple more of those can't miss prospects right so i think it is uh an interesting top it's an interesting take and also probably topic for a much longer discussion for sure um one one other player that i i wanted to talk about um on this list um i it it might be kind of a, a deep sleeper that doesn't amount to anything um this upcoming week but if he's still a free agent in your dynasty leagues, I def- definitely recommend stashing him on your bench. He was actually available in all but one dynasty leagues that, that uh, um, I'm in, and I'm in some some 16-man leagues. So I, I was um, very shocked to see that he uh, became available. But uh, Josiah DeGuerra, the tight end for the Packers, uh, the, the Packers were notoriously known for their, their horrible draft two years ago when they took Jordan Love number one, or not, not number one in the first round, A.J. Dillon in the second round, and then Josiah DeGuerra in the third round. Um, he tore his ACL um, but in, the, in his rookie season, but in his first game against the Vikings, I don't know if, if you remember watching him, but he actually had a couple of nice plays. Uh, one, one was a really nice block where he actually uh, blocked two defenders, and Aaron Jones scored a touchdown, um, and, and DeGuerra also lined up um, in the backfield and out of the slot. So I think they drafted him to, to be their version of uh, Kyle Juszczyk in this offense. And I, I think he's part of what this new Packers offense is supposed to look like next year when uh, when Aaron Rodgers is out of town, when, when we'll see more more Jordan Love, more A.J. Dillon, and more, more DeGuerra. So uh, is, is this a, a guy that, that you or uh, the folks over at PFF like? I don't think so. I mean, at least uh, as far as like the PFF brand and stuff, like I can't get on board with a fullback basically. So if you're looking at, if you want to, if like your, if your upside play is Kyle Juszczyk, it's just not a spot I'm going to get on board with. I'm sorry. I feel like, I feel like I do agree with like the new look Packers offense. I think, you know, this is a guy that they could definitely get involved with, but um, he's just not, he's just not offering the upside that I need in order to, uh, in order to take a flyer on a roster spot, even in, maybe like a 12 or 16 man league. I'm just, I just need some other, some opportunities. I think I would rather be, you know, in on a wide receiver. That's like a deep throw that could potentially hit a long shot than I would uh, Josiah Daguerre at this point. I'm sorry. I can't, I'm, I'm not on board with that particular. Hey, we we one, can't, so. we can't agree on, on everything, but right. if, uh, right. if you go back to his, uh, his junior and senior year at uh, Cincinnati, he did account for 19% of the, um, offensive receiving yards his junior year and 21% his senior year. So he had uh, 38 receptions for 468 yards and five touchdowns in 13 games. And then his uh, senior year, 39 receptions for 504 yards and, and seven touchdowns in 13 games. So th- this, this changes nothing for you. You're, 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 you're out, you're out on him. Not I mean, Cincinnati him. is not necessarily like the high flying offense that I'm expecting to have like really solid, uh, passing game production from so I'm still out unfortunately that that's just a share that um, it's just not a big enough share for me unfortunately especially in a Cincinnati offense that plays with like 44 45 46 point totals consistently every single week relying on their defense so uh, I like I like the play from like a football guy mentality and mindset but uh, from like a fantasy and wanting to win. I just, I just think there's better. I just think there's better use cases elsewhere. So uh, uh, I'm going to take a pass on the go but I think, I, I think there's some more uh, 
there's been other plays that you've recommended that have been a lot better in my opinion. So. All right. So, so <laughs> like I said, he might not do anything this week or this season, but I'm, I'm holding on to him through uh, 2022. You're telling me I'm burning a hole in that roster spot, holding on to Josiah Deguera. That's going to be the, that's my takeaway. Uh, I think you're burning a hole in your roster spot, but you know what? I've burned a hole on my roster spot with Josh Gordon for the last like 15 years. So, um, <laughs> so, so I can't blame you for trying, trying to take a flyer on somebody that you believe in. Cause I think that's uh, one of the best parts about fantasy football in general, for sure. So, yeah. Anybody who still believes in Josh Gordon, I mean, what he did that, that one season with uh, Cleveland with, I think it was over 1,500 yards receiving. I mean, oh, it was magical, I, right? I can't, I, I can't blame you. If, if you drafted him as a rookie season in Dynasty, I would, I'd probably still be holding, too. Right, right. No, I mean, that Josh Gordon season was absolutely magical, and then it's just been, uh, you know, not there hasn't been anything... I don't know. It was. It's not necessarily disappointing, but I do think the NFL like stole the best years of Josh Gordon's life, but that is a completely different topic for a completely different time. Um, but I think... In general, uh, those are the types of players that I would be looking for as like the 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 players at the end of my bench that I do kind of want to stash. So I'm looking for like upside play, high average depth of target, high touchdown share uh, in a productive offense and a guy that's capable of missing tackles. And unfortunately, it just doesn't fit the bill here. But I do think there are a number of those other options uh, long term for your dynasty rosters for sure. So. All right, we'll hop into uh, some uh, Raider receiver talk. Um, th- uh, speaking of, uh, of a, a, a conversation for another time, we don't have to um, dive in too deep about the, the Henry Rugg situation. He's going to be um, serving the, the time that he most certainly should be, be serving with that, that car accident um, earlier this week. But um, uh, unfortunately, that, that, that means there's going to be uh, more targets to go around in, uh, in that Raiders offense. So, between uh, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, or Zay Jones, are you uh, are you thinking either any of these guys are going to get get a spike and uh, perhaps have a better season after uh, the removal of Henry Ruggs from the NFL? Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be Brian Edwards is the guy that I would buy into. I do still think Hunter Renfro is going to be involved underneath a little bit. Um, you know, Darren Waller hasn't necessarily been as productive uh, from the tight end position that I think basically everybody expected in the offseason. Um, so I do think that it's going to be Brian Edwards kind of soaking up some of those high value targets that were once going to Henry Ruggs. Is he capable of separating downfield like Henry Ruggs was? That's a question that still needs to be answered. But I do think that he is uh, at least the best option for the Raiders right now, as long as they don't end up with a guy like uh, Odell Beckham or something like that uh, on waivers this weekend. So I like Brian Edwards. I always have. Um, and I think now is his time to uh, either you know, kind of make it or break it. So I do think that he would be the one option from that Raiders offense that I do think uh, is definitely worthwhile of, you know, a flyer or target right now. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my final rookie rankings for 2020 uh, before the, the, uh, the, the, the official rookie drafts began, um, I had CD lamb. Number one, feel pretty good about that. Justin Jefferson, number two. That's really, really like good. That, even though he's right. the number one. Right, and then, right. And then I had Brian Edwards three and Jerry Judy four. So right. <laughs> Brian Edwards is a guy that I'm super high on. He, he's he's another one that even if he doesn't do anything, he will be on my my roster um, until the, the the end of time. So I really hope that you're, you're you're right about that. Do you think he has a chance to finish as as possibly a top twenty receiver, or is that uh, too too much to ask with with Darren Waller still being the the wide receiver one on this offense? 
I mean, I think it might be just a little bit too high to ask, but I definitely think that he could show out here in the second half of the NFL season and like really be a guy that people are buying into heading into 2022. I mean, it was already compared to that, what Terrell Owens and Randy Moss, two, two of the best receivers that we've seen in the NFL, uh, in the, in the NFL's history. So um, he's definitely a guy that I'm at least intrigued by can win downfield can win in that, you know, contested catch area. So um, I like him quite a bit. Top 20 might be a little bit uh, too much this year, but, but he could, he could put together a finish that I think we're kind of having that conversation for next year, which I think is at least the intriguing part about him, which is why I'm definitely buying in. So, yeah, I, I, I think Brian Edwards, uh, like, like you were saying, maybe next season, he, He's going to be one of the, one of these guys, like one of our, our favorite receivers for the Super Duper Flex Bros is Christian Kirk, where we see the talent, we see the flash. Uh, we just want to see um, it, it all get put together for, for one solid season where, you know, right. it, when you're setting your lineup, you, you, you see Brian Edwards or you see Christian Kirk and you say, yep, that's my wide receiver two or my wide receiver three. And you're you're comfortable instead of actually kind of diving in and looking at the uh, the percentages and, and how many targets they're getting. But. The, uh, the, the last receiver um, for that team that I want to talk about, or I guess he, he isn't a receiver, much like Darren Waller isn't a receiver, but uh, Foster Moreau stepped in for Darren Waller in, in week seven when uh, when Waller had to miss time. Do you think maybe they, they run more 12 personnel and maybe Foster Moreau gets more opportunities uh, to, to, to run kind of a, a Zach Ertz and uh, a Dallas Goddard offense that, that the Eagles are running? Or do you think Foster Moreau was just kind of a, a one-time deal with with uh, Waller out yeah I would probably lean more toward a one-time deal right now with Darren Waller out I would definitely want to see like a philosophical shift in their you know offensive scheme before I'd really buy into him kind of being heavily involved in 12 personnel with Darren Waller available that week so uh, I think the wait and see approach maybe if you added him uh, he's a situation where you can kind of wait um you know, another week or two and at least understand their personnel decisions in their upcoming game against the Giants this week uh, and then probably reevaluate whether he's worth, uh, you know, an end of the bench stash or not for your roster here uh, for the rest of 2021. Yeah, I, I agree with that. In the uh, in the 13 games that Foster Moreau played in his rookie season, uh, can you guess how many touchdowns he had that rookie year? Uh, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. What is it? What is it? It was five touchdowns. There we go. Right. So I think he actually had had two games with uh, with multiple touchdowns. Right. So, uh, he he was used in the in the red zone, but I think the uh, spike Foster weeks. Monroe, it, he he, ha- he has opportunity to um, much like a, a lot of other tight ends that we try to project for in the future. I, th- I think he has the opportunity to um, be be the tight end one for a uh, a team in the future. Um, but couple couple last guys I wanted to talk about play for. The uh, the Jaguars we already talked about Lavisca Chenault a little bit. Is this a guy that uh, that you're still buying into um, with the possibility of, of being a wide receiver one where he, he could finish as you know top twelve or top fifteen? Um, I, I I'm I've kind of called him a, a pumped up version of Tavon Austin where right. I don't really see um, him being that that alpha receiver uh, uh, where he he. he he was uh, getting so much hype this preseason. So I know I, I asked you and then I answered my own question, but I, I'd love to get your take on it. Cause I know this is a guy that you liked. Yeah, definitely. So at least long-term my, my hesitation with Chenault is that, you know, Travis Etienne is going to be coming back to this Jaguars offense. I do think he is, 
you know, capable, more than capable as a receiver to kind of, you know, be successful in those short average depth of target throws. So, uh, and that has kind of been, you know, Chenault's bread and butter basically for the whole time that he's been in the NFL, even when he was, you know, at Colorado, that was kind of where he won. So with DJ Chark getting hurt, I kind of wanted to see how successful he was winning downfield and he basically hasn't shown that whatsoever so um i think i'm probably more out on the vishka chenault uh than i have been at any other point during his nfl career so far so i think it's uh disappointing but i don't think he is in a really good buy low uh spot right now from my perspective yeah and we we saw in that uh, miami game he had 10 targets um six receptions and and two of uh, the the incompletions were just kind of straight up drops or like he was right. he was open in the flat just bounced off his hands and you know we, we've seen guys like Amari Cooper have have bad seasons with, with drops and everything but um, he is currently wide receiver 58 on the season and I just I just don't see him being a, a top 30 guy um, and right in, um, in, in the NFL anytime soon so um, I know this was a guy that you got out on early um, to get us a future second round pick and you kind of had some uh, seller's remorse, but are you feeling a little more comfortable with that now? I definitely feel a little bit more comfortable with that, thankfully, right now. So I have seller's remorse on other people uh, that I made trades on my first year, but uh, that is definitely not one of them, I would say right now, for sure. All right. And uh, last two guys uh, for the, the Jaguars I want to talk about is uh, Jamal Agnew. So over the last three weeks, he's seen um, seven, six, and 12 targets in, in this Jaguars offense. So he's actually seen more targets than Chenault in the, in the last few right. weeks. So um, I, I know you you like doing the, the daily fantasy sports. Is this a, a guy that you like for, uh, for DFS or in Dynasty? I don't, you know, I don't mind him, I guess, um, maybe as a little bit of a flyer in, in DFS. I don't think he's really going to be all that successful long term basically he has been um you know at least somewhat interesting he's still uh you know coming off of it like his highest snap share of the season last week in week eight ran his highest amount of routes run versus dropbacks as well but um i don't know i don't know what to make of it because he's actually getting uh the usage or utilization uh, that i expected chanel to have um, and you know, that didn't really take hold. So he's definitely a guy that's involved. I think he's definitely sneaky under the radar, uh, from a DFS perspective. The question is, you know, when everybody's healthy in this Jaguars offense in 2022, is he going to have a role? And I would say, uh, no, probably not, unfortunately. So I think he's more of, you know, a short-term play as opposed to a long-term play for sure for me. Yeah. And, and in deeper dynasty leagues, I've, I feel like uh, he he's probably one more receiver injury away from from actually being right. a um, and, and every week contributor. But like you said, with with DJ Chark um, coming back next year, and then uh, Chanel will probably still take a step forward, even though we're we're not very high on him. But um, but yeah, I, I, that's that's a guy I've I've seen uh, kind of step up uh, when he's called upon as, as their uh, their wide receiver too in most games. Um, so wanted to see if you had a take on him. Um, the last guy. Uh, Dan Arnold, a converted wide receiver to tight end. We've talked about him on uh, on multiple shows before. Um, over the last three weeks, he has also seen eight, five, and ten targets. Um, so, is this a guy that you that you like um, as a starting tight end for the Jags next season, or or do you think this is kind of a a one year filler for for the team? 
Yeah, I still think he's kind of a one-year filler too, right? And the part of the hesitation that I have with like Jaguars players in general, especially in Dynasty, um, is I do think that we're going to see like a regime change, um, you know, at the coaching position uh, sh- sooner rather than later, right? Obviously, Urban Meyer isn't necessarily on on the hot seat anymore, but he did have some very interesting weeks here to start the 2021 season. Uh, it could it could have easily been like the first coach fired uh, and and how that kind of impacts some of the usage for the, you know, the players that are not necessarily the, not necessarily the stars, this team. Right. So I do think like Dan Arnold, Jamal Aguna uh, kind of fit into that category. Uh, so they're just not places that I want to buy into long-term, especially for a team that's going to be drafting, you know, at the top of the NFL draft um, for at least another year if not another two years uh, they could easily add some weapons in this offense which severely cut into um, you know the target share and touch share for basically any of those other skill position players so uh, a guy like Dan Arnold is just somebody that I could see easily fall into the wayside so I don't necessarily buy into him uh, long term anything after basically 2021 right now yeah uh, as far as season log and, and um, if he's still available on, on waiver wires and, and dynasty uh, with with him getting so many targets the last three weeks, I do think yep. he's, he actually will be a solid play. I mean, the, the tight end position—if you don't have one of the top guys—it's it's been it's been said a million times. If you don't have one of the top guys, just whatever throw throw in whoever. So I, th- I think with them trading for Dan Arnold, they're um, they're they're, they're going to use him. They're they're going to target right. him every single game. The Jaguars' uh, passing defense—I don't have it in front of me, but they have to be one of the one of the worst ranked defenses. So it's going to be. Uh, a lot of Trevor Lawrence passing in the second halves, which I think right. means a lot of short to intermediate routes for Dan Arnold and um, a touchdown every other week or something. So, um, right. if, he, if if you're competing and he's on a on a, a team's roster that uh, doesn't look like it's going anywhere, I think just throwing like a third round pick is, is probably something that the most people would do. Right. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I do think at least for the rest of this year, uh, given you know the complete lack of scoring that we've seen at the tight end position in general. If you don't have one of those top couple guys, uh, being able to kind of stream that position uh, is definitely a viable option. And Dan Arnold's target share uh, definitely allows uh, you to probably play him most weeks, especially in most matchups. So I definitely like him for the rest of the season. It's just long-term. Uh, he's a spot that I just cannot buy into, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we see uh, some incoming uh, rookie tight ends that, that can help fix this league because you would think yes. with all with all these these athletes uh, coming in that there's got to be another Kyle Pitts uh, along the way maybe, maybe maybe not quite that good but uh, but that that's that's a, that's a great transition to the the last segment of the show um, so I, I know you're you're a big fan of, of college football too so which uh, give, give us give us two or three rookies that you're looking forward to for the this 2022 class so you, you've caught on just like many dynasty gamers have that it's looking like these 2023 picks are going to be more valuable for 2022, but let's right. show this 2022 class a little bit of love. So, so who do you like if you got one of these top picks? Yeah. And I still, I still buy into Sam Howell. I do think I would probably have him as, you know, the number one overall quarterback in dynasty leagues right now. Of course you can make a, um, you know, a case from Malik Willis, a little bit more of a dual threat quarterback. I don't necessarily know if his, you know, where his ceiling is going to end up. Um, but I do think out of the three top three quarterbacks between Malik Willis, Matt Corral, and Sam Howell, I'm still leaning a little bit towards Sam Howell. I do think that's probably a little bit of a contrarian take. 
Um, and then, you know, at the running back position, I do, I do really like Kenneth Walker, you know, really high, um, you know, missed tackles force percentage basically is that entire Michigan state offense. So I actually have him, you know, above a guy like Brees Hall above a guy, you know, like Isaiah Spiller, some of those other guys in this 2022 class. And I think a little bit more, you know, further down the line, a guy that I think could potentially be a little bit of a sleeper, Tyler Algier been really productive at BYU. Um, he's the guy that I like quite a bit coming out here in 2022. So uh, those would probably be my two targets at the running back position. Um, and then wide receiver, it's, you know, basically the Ohio State duo right now. And then Drake London, who, you know, unfortunately basically had a season-ending injury last week in college football. But I do think those three guys um, are definitely capable of making some noise at the NFL level and guys that I'm very interested in from a dynasty perspective as we head into the 2022 draft and 2022 NFL season. So if you, you, you talked about Ohio state, if, if you're uh, choosing between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, do you have a preference between the two? I like Garrett Wilson more. I have basically, um, you know, throughout the, basically since last year, I do think Garrett Wilson's probably just a little bit better of an overall playmaker. I do think, you know, Olave, um, has been probably the better deep threat, but I do think Garrett Wilson is just a little bit more of a complete wide receiver. So I have him, um, you know, Drake London, it's going to be obviously knocked a little bit based on his, um, you know, injury situation. But I do think that at one point I probably had him as the best option in this 2022 class. Uh, but I do think that is definitely uh, Garrett Wilson right now with Chris Olave, not that far behind. It's kind of how I evaluate them. How are you, how are you kind of seeing this? Yeah, I think I, I, I know we uh, we varied on our on our uh, uh, Josiah Aguera uh, takes earlier, right. but that, as far as uh, the Ohio State receivers go, yeah, I think I think most people um, have have Garrett Wilson higher. That I, I certainly think he fits more of that that X receiver, and like you right. said, he's built more more complete. But our, uh, Chris Olave kind of reminds me of of, uh, of Rashad Bateman, who obviously I'm I'm a huge fan of. Uh, but you, you see him making these catches where like, oh, OK, he's you know, he picked up five yards and, and then he's he's just kind of slippery in the uh, when he when he when he's right. in the open field where the, just the, the, the yards after the catch is just, is just incredible. Where I think he's he's the kind of guy where, you know, he only needs four or five receptions and, and he's going to end the end the day with with 90 or 110 yards or something. So um, I, I, I don't think you can go go wrong with with either. So it's probably just going to come down to the landing spot. But. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Sam Howell's my my uh, favorite quarterback coming into this class too. Um, I think with him losing uh, his basically his entire uh, starting lineup of uh, of his offense, losing Diami Brown, Daz Newsome, Michael Carter, right. and why am I blanking on the other running back? Javante Williams and and Javante Williams. So um, I, I I can't think of the name of the North Carolina tight end, but basically he lost. Um, his entire offense from 2020, but he's still finding a way to get it done in 2021. But um, I, I don't know if, if you've looked at too many of these uh, NFL mock drafts, but there, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a quarterback taken in, in the top three or top five um, where, where this, this is just going to be a heavily, heavily defensive uh, right. on first round. Um, so I'm curious to see if that means that these quarterbacks that get taken, are they going to be more of um, like a, more of a project kind of like with the right. uh the 49ers taking trey lance where th- th- does detroit take a take a quarterback and they they've let him sit behind jared goff or, or is there a team that's going to trade up um like washington 
um, that that's that sees one of these quarterbacks like Malik Wallace as their their next franchise guy. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's going to be really heavy defense to start. So I definitely agree with you. I do think it's going to be more of a project-based approach at that quarterback position. We could see some of them, you know, definitely slip out of the top ten. Um, and then it comes down to where do the teams that actually need quarterbacks finish, right? Because some of the teams uh, that are going to be at the top of the class are going to have guys like Trevor Lawrence, guys like Zach, guys like Zach Wilson, uh, those sorts of prospects already available. And they're not going to be drafting a guy in the first round. So I do think it's going to be more of a, you know, potential move up for a team that really needs that quarterback was where some of the, you know, basically the top three are going to finish. But I could easily see, you know, two or even all three of them falling out of the top 10 right now, just with how heavy uh, the defense is going to be leaned at the top of this 2022 draft. I do think that's why people are probably, uh, you know, selling, selling or discount selling, uh, you know, their picks here at the top of the 2022 NFL or dynasty NFL draft. So that's, that was what I tried to uh, pivot from. And I um, hoping that I can basically accumulate as many 2023 picks as possible. Cause I do think that is probably the correct class that's going to be able to kind of perform uh, what we expected from like the 2021 class. So. Yep. Yeah, I, I, another another thing that that I agree with you on on Ben is there is there one player out of this 2023 class that uh that you're you're super excited for that you got to wait two seasons before they take a snap in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I do. I think like everybody else, I'm excited to see what Bajan Robinson can do at the NFL level. I think he is, you know, maybe the most complete back that we've seen uh, come out of college football in quite some time. So um, I do think that I would have him as, you know, that 1.01 in the 2023 class, which is kind of crazy uh, to potentially say, given, uh, you know, the possibility for the quarterbacks at the top of the class, guys like Grace McCall, uh, guys, guys like Bryce Young, um, and, you know, even further down some other players, but um, Bajan Robinson is the guy that long term, I really want to have as much exposure to as possible in both a dynasty and redraft format. And I'm excited to see what he uh, is capable of doing uh, coming up here in a couple of years because he's been, you know, nothing. He has lived up to every expectation as, you know, the number one overall skill position player heading into college. And I think he's only going to be better heading into the NFL. So, yeah. It, I think I think one of the most incredible parts to Bijan Robinson's game uh, is is his ability to take huge hits and just go play the next snap. Where I, I don't remember which game it was, but he was basically trying to dive forward and he got tackled. Where they showed the replay and he got bent in half, where his, his helmet ended up going uh, backwards, where his helmet was almost almost touching um, his ankles. And it it, it, just, it looks like a season or career ending play, right. and he's on the ground for two seconds, and uh, he 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 walks off the field, and then the next play, uh, he he has a carry for like twenty plus yards. Whereas like that this is a, like this guy is just built to be the next Saquon Barkley. Right, right, definitely like that. Well, I do maybe, think maybe he... Barkley is a bad example right now with injuries. Right, especially. with all the injuries, but I feel like he he he's like a souped up version of Alvin Kamara, almost like what the with what you talked about, right? Like his balance, his capability in the passing game, uh, but he's a bigger version of what Alvin Kamara put for. So I think, you know, at least from like a dynasty perspective, he is a really, really exciting prospect to potentially, you know, build a team around here in two years. So he's, he's definitely the guy that I have uh, a lot of, you know, 
I'm hoping that I can get, you know, as much exposure to here in the upcoming drafts as possible. So, well, Ben, I want to thank you for uh, joining the super duper flex bros community on Friday night here. Very cool of you to, to join, join me while I'm uh, recording the show. Um, anything else you, you, you want to plug? What are you working on over at PFF right now? I mean, it's a lot of the in-season content. It's a lot of, you know, the content grind. So I'm doing a lot of, you know, DFS sports betting articles. We're kind of doing some planning, uh, and, and other projects for, um, you know, for the upcoming 2022 season already. So trying to get more involved in dynasty, trying to get, you know, some like dynasty trade value, uh, and those sorts of things coming up here in like January, February, but then it's going to be all systems go for building tools that people want to find worthwhile. So if you want to, you know, be, you know, on the forefront of some of the tools that PFS building, definitely hit me up. We can get you in, you know, a beta testing group to uh, test out what's going to hopefully be available to, you know, a lot of PFS subscribers later on. So uh, you can definitely reach out if you're interested in doing that, um, you know, and just all the other great things that PFF.com has available. So make sure you check it out. It's all, it's all I can really say. And I do have a podcast, PFF Biting Podcast. Uh, if you want to hear some more takes based mainly, you know, on sports betting. Um, but that's, you know, a great spot that you can find me as well if you're looking for that. So, yep. Uh, I, I listened to uh, one of your shows a couple weeks ago and, and it was, uh, you were betting against Illinois. So I took your, uh, your advice and, and made a little bit of money on that. There so we go. I, I there we... Thank you about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all we're looking for is trying to find, you know, as many uh, positive expected value bets as people, and I can handle and we're, you know, trying to make people money, trying to make myself money. So, um, you know, I'm betting the same things that I'm recommending. So I feel the pain if it doesn't hit, but I definitely feel the joy when it does. So uh, it's been fun so far in 2021, but hopefully we can keep the momentum building here into 2022 as well. So, well, thank you for uh, the work that, that you're doing uh, for all, all the people out there. And um, if, if, uh, if you're listening, go, go follow Ben Brown on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely for the best probably to avoid Twitter. But if you are on there, PFF underscore Ben Brown is where you can follow me. Definitely hit me up uh, in the DMs or anything. We definitely can uh, chat from there for sure. It would be great to connect with a lot of people that, uh, you know, enjoy Dynasty as much as uh, everyone does here that's listening to this podcast. So That's right. You remember how to get us out of here, Ben? I do. Everybody, keep it flexy.